This message was preached as pulpit supply by Jared File. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it is beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Good morning. Glad to be with you again. If you'd open your Bibles to First Peter, First Peter chapter two. Chapter two. Um, about a year ago, a little bit more than a year ago, um, I went to my doctor uh, to get a physical, and I had some blood taken, and uh, I discovered that uh, I was high in cholesterol. Uh, in fact, my triglycerides were over five hundred. Um, and so I, I realized that I had to make some changes. Um, he put me on some medication and, uh, I got, uh, I, I started changing my diet. You know, I, I, I'm the kind of guy, my dad raises hogs up in Pocahontas and, and, uh, I, I would have bacon and sausage for breakfast every morning, you know, and, and I just, I loved that and, you know, I, I would have ice cream at every meal, you know, and I had to make some changes. And so I had to put off the old cravings that I had and crave for something new. So around that time, uh, peaches were ripe and tasty. And, you know, instead of going for that ice cream, I was grabbing a nice, fresh peach and I was slicing into that. And, ooh, they're so good, you know. And, and uh, eating fruit, eating vegetables, and, and I had to put off an old craving and put on a new craving um, because I wanted to live, <laughs> right? Um, so today, the, the way that connects to this text we're going to be looking at today, I, I think it's kind of organized in the same way. Uh, Peter here is telling believers that in, in our walk following after Jesus, we're to put off the way we used to be, put off uh, what we used to crave, and instead we're to crave after something new. We're to crave after God's Word. So let's go ahead and read our text. Verse 1 of 1 Peter chapter 2 begins. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It is a light unto our lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we pray, uh, Lord, that you would give us a craving for your word, that you would feed us and nourish us by your word. Lord, you would use your word in our hearts to bring life, to bring strength, and Lord, to help us to taste and savor how good you are. Father, we love you. Give us Strength, give me strength as I preach your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, we've been going through, in, in the times that I've been with you, we've been going through the book of 1 Peter together. And, and um, 
one of the things that I think I'll, we just kind of need to keep going back to and keep going back to is that first message. You know, Peter starts off this book telling us, well, first of all, we live in a hostile world. We live in a world that is hostile to God. It is hostile to believers. And we live in the midst of this hostile world waiting for our king to come. And in the midst of this hostile world, one of the things we need to remember in order to be able to face this hostile world is that we have been, if we're believers, we have been born again. We have, we have become new creatures. Our, our old man has passed away and we have become new creatures. We have been changed by what God has done. God has caused us to be born again. And we praise God for that, right? And, and we need to remember that, that our, we have a future hope. That, that in spite of the fact that it is, it is rough in this world, that we live in a hostile world, in spite of the fact that um, people that are not believers, they look at us and say, that's weird. <laughs> we have a hope. He's coming again. Jesus is coming again. He is one day going to come and set everything right. He is going to wipe away every tear from every eye. There's no longer going to be any suffering, no pain, no sickness, no coronavirus. Amen. And then when we think we can't hold on any longer, when we feel like I just don't have the strength, that passage that we looked at several months ago now. Reminds us he holds on to us. It doesn't depend upon our strength, but he holds on to us. We can praise God for that. Now, also, we looked at just the last time I was here, just about a month ago, a little bit less than a month ago, about how the word of God is what caused our new birth. Right. The word of God is what caused our new birth. We look uh, at the at the last passage We looked at the last time I was here, having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding word of God, the word of God, the preaching of the word of God, the hearing of the word of God produced faith in us so that we believed on him. Uh, and, and he has changed us from the inside out. He's given us a new birth and we are now brothers and sisters with one another in a family of God. And he has done this so that we would love one another. With that in the background, with that in the background, now Peter is telling us, so put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and slander. That's the kind of things that characterized us before we came to know Jesus. Ill feelings toward one another. Talking about people behind their backs. That's what characterizes us before we know Jesus. And in fact, he tells us here we're to put those things off. So if he's telling us to put those things off, then, then somehow they may still remain in us. Right. And, and we've got to we've got to put those things away. You know, a lot of times people get offended in churches because they still see that stuff going on. It's because we're not being obedient to the word. We've got to put those things off. We put off 
uh, malice. We, we don't want to have ill feelings towards one another. We want to we put away deceit. We don't want to lie to one another. We want to be honest with each other. We don't want to be uh, trying to put on a face for people, put on um, uh, some kind of a, a false image. We want to be truthful with each other. And hypocrisy, that go, those go together. Uh, we don't want uh, people to think um, we're, we're great and then we, we go and we live another way. We don't want to hold other people to a standard that we're not willing to live at ourselves. No, we put away all of those things. We put away malice, deceit, hypocrisy, hypocrisy, and envy. Envy, you know, oh boy, I, I wish I had what that person has. It's the tenth commandment, you know, thou shalt not covet. We put away that. Uh, instead, um, Anyway, we put it away. And then slander. That kind of goes along with malice. Slander and malice. You know, malice is thinking ill of other people and slander is speaking ill of other people. We put away all those things. And why should we put away all these things? I think it's connected to what comes before it. We were, we were caused to be born again by the word so that we would love one another. And all of those things are impediments to our love for one another. If we're thinking ill of each other, if we're if we are characterized by malice, then we're not loving one another. If we're lying to one another, if we're deceitful, we're not loving one another. If we're hypocrites, we're not loving. If we're envying, that, that's a challenge, that's a that's a, an impediment to loving our neighbors and our brothers and slander. All of those things, they stand in the way of our love for one another. But you know what? Sometimes they can be seductively tempting. And we reread this list and we think, oh, yeah, of course, I don't want to be that. But think of how often we can be tempted towards it. Think of slander. Sometimes it can be really tempting to just kind of be in the know and, and, and get, get, get the latest gossip and be spreading it all around, right? It can make us feel, oh man, I'm special because I know something that other people don't know. And we can kind of crave that. We can kind of get tempted to, to fall into those old patterns. Peter here is telling us, put those things off. Put those things off. Those things stand in the way of our love for one another. Those things that we, we put it off. This, this is what used to characterize us. And if it still remains in us, which it can, then we need to put it off. We need to actively work and, and, uh, and express effort to put those things off. In contrast, verse 2, like newborn infants long for the spiritual milk. Long for the spiritual milk. Those two things are set in opposition to each other. Instead of longing for all these things, craving after the, the feeling we get whenever we participate in the latest gossip, we need to long for the pure spiritual milk. Well, what is that pure spiritual milk? Um, I believe the King James Version says the, the spirit, the, the uh, long for the milk of the word, the milk of the word, that that word there, spiritual milk um, 
I get a little technical here. That word's for spiritual. That's an adjective. And it is, it is, um, uh, it is uh, built off of a similar word from, from um, logos. You know, you, 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 logos, um, um, the Greek word for word. Uh, but it's an adjective form. And when we see it elsewhere in the scriptures, um, we see it uh, in Romans 12.1, where it says um, we're to... Um, Let me see Romans twelve one. I appeal to you, brother. Appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. It's the same word there, spiritual worship. Uh, others, other translations will say reasonable worship, but the word there, again, it's built off of that word for word. So. Um, I think the King James may be on to something whenever it says milk of the word. We are to long for God's word. And, and those two things are set in opposition to each other. We can either be um, wallowing in envy, in um, deceit and hypocrisy and, and, and all of those things. Or we can long after God's word. Like my illustration at the beginning. I, I, I mean, as much as I enjoy bacon. <laughs> as much as I enjoy um, ice cream in every meal. You know, as much as I enjoy that, that's not good for me. And, and I need to put those things away and long for healthy foods. And here, uh, Peter is telling us, put those things away and long for the spiritual milk of the word. Um, you've got to replace an old desire. How do we put up, how do we get rid of the desires that we have that we don't want? <laughs> We've got to replace them with something else. Um, Thomas Chalmers was one of the old Puritans and, and he had a, 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 a writing that was called the, the expulsive power of a new affection. Uh, basically, the idea is is when you have a new affection, something that you're longing for, something that you love, it pushes out the old desires that you wanted to get rid of. So, and, and a lot of times, somebody will if you want to you want to get rid of a bad habit, like say smoking or something like that. Uh, a lot of times, they'll say, "We'll do something else instead of that, like chewing gum." You know, it, it's it's I think like that, but it's it's ramped up instead of longing for these these. Unhealthy habits, uh, these sins, long for the pure milk of the word. That, by it, you may grow up into salvation. How is it that we grow to maturity as Christians? It's by longing after the word. It's by longing after the word. It's by reading it, by hearing it. By studying it, by meditating on it, we want to know God's word. And that's what produces maturity for the Christian. Uh, by longing after this word, we will grow to maturity. And here it says uh, that by it, you may grow up into salvation. Does that does that mean that we're saved by our own works? I don't believe that at all. 
I, I, I believe what I mean, Jesus is already talking to us in chapter one about how the people he's talking to have already been born again. We already have a future hope. We are already being held by his hands. But what we do, what we do is we grow it to maturity. We grow. And if we're still practicing malice and envy and deceit and hypocrisy and slander and all those things, that's a sign of immaturity. We're not mature Christians whenever those things are going on. Instead, we, we meditate on the word, we, we study the scriptures, and we grow up into salvation. And then finally, he says, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. I think there's a condition here. If indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. It doesn't come by our own works. You can try all you can from your own effort to put off those old things like, oh, I know I shouldn't be malicious. I know that I shouldn't be gossiping. I know that I I," and we can try in our own power and our own effort and our own strength to get rid of those things. But we can't ever do it unless we've really tasted that the Lord is good. And I think taste here is so important. It shows that really knowing God is is not about a knowledge up here, but it's an experiential knowledge. And just just uh, take this for example. You know, I, I I told you I like these nice juicy peaches, right? Well, think of, uh, you know, if, if I went to some exotic place and I tasted uh, this fruit called uh, uh, pogo, okay? We'll just call it a pogo, something that's just completely non-existent. But okay, I'll say I went to some, some distant land and I tasted a pogo fruit. And I try to tell you what it tasted like. How would you know what it tasted like from just me trying to explain it with words? You couldn't. I'd have to compare it to something that you've tasted. Oh, man, it tastes just like a peach. Now you know what it tastes like. Or it tastes just like a banana. Because you've experienced it, right? You've experienced it. So tasting is experiencing. If, you know, we, can, we can read the Bible. We can hear about it. But until we've tasted it. When, when, when there's an event that happens where God opens up our eyes and he changes us, whenever he comes into our lives and he causes that new birth, you know, if you have been born again and you've tasted it and you can tell somebody all about it, but unless they tasted it, too, they don't know what we mean. And the only way to experience that We're told in the last verses is when the word brings it about. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but the imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. So. How can we do what this text is saying? Well, first of all, we've got to be believers. We've got to. We've got to put our faith in Jesus. We've got to trust him. We've got to accept that 
His death that He died on the cross covered our sins. That He came, that He lived a sinless life, that He died on the cross as a sacrifice for our sins, and that and we've got to throw our weight on Him, throw, cast all of our sins on Him, trusting that He paid for our sins. And, and that, that we experience the new birth, and once we've tasted that the Lord is good, once we've experienced the new birth, then we have the strength to be able to put off those old things. Put, put off all of these things and long for the spiritual milk of God's Word. You know, we can try and try and try in our own effort. And we'll just be butting our head up against a brick wall. That last verse there, in le- and if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good, that is where the power is. Have you tasted that the Lord is good? Have you been born again? Have you thrown yourself on Christ as the forgiveness, for, as the only way that we can be forgiven for our sins? Have you looked to Him to be saved? That's where the dividing line is. Uh, we we're told to be obedient to this as Christians, and we have the strength to do it because we've been born again. So I ask again, have you tasted and known that the Lord is good?